0: Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. There's a song by Regina Spector called No One's Laughing. It's all about how we can laugh at God when things are going right for us, but no one laughs when times are tough. Matt Michelatos has written a book called Imaginary Jesus, which explains why we can't make Jesus in our own image in fact, we're actually created in God's image. Matt says that means no Hollywood Jesus, no magic Jesus, no irresponsible parent Jesus, no coffee shop Jesus, and so on. He's all about regrounding us in the real Jesus. I'm interested to see what he says that is. Matt Michalatos, welcome to Open House.
1: Thanks, Lee. Glad to be here.
0: Good on you. Matt, how and why do you say we make Jesus in our own image?
1: I think all of us do it because we don't, we don't see everything about him clearly yet. You know, the Bible talks about, 1 John 3, when he appears, we'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. And so instead of waiting for an answer, we fill in the blanks with our own answers, who we, who we think he is, what we think he would say.
0: Is part of the problem that we think he's more like a lucky charm than the Son of God?
1: I think for sure it can be, because the real Jesus, we look at in Scripture how people responded to him. They were terrified of him. They were in awe of him. They tried to kill him, things like that. And I look at my own life, and when was the last time that Jesus made me angry? You know, a lot of times Jesus makes me feel mild guilt, maybe, or mild good feelings. But that doesn't match the Jesus we see in Scripture.
0: So are you saying it would be a good thing if sometimes we felt angry about Jesus?
1: Oh, I think that would be an indication sometimes that maybe we're interacting with someone other than ourselves, yes, that I think Jesus sometimes asks us for things and says things that might upset us, might change our lives in some way, that we don't particularly want.
0: What sort of things, man?
1: Well, so an example might be my wife and I. Uh, at one point in our lives, we went overseas to a, a closed country to share Christ with people, to, to tell them about his love, Right. Did we particularly want to leave our family We had a three-month-old baby, all these things, uh, gave up a lot of opportunities vocationally, uh, things like that, to, to go to this other country, a uh, third-world country? No, not, you know, it's not, it wasn't on our to-do list. So there were a lot of emotions involved in that, but we felt like God had very clearly said to us this was something he was asking of us personally. So, yeah, there were, there were some hard times as far as how we felt toward Jesus sometimes during that process.
0: As I said, you make this particular distinction about how we view Jesus in both the good times and the bad. Why do you think it is easy to forget about him in the good times? Why do we do that?
1: Well, in the good times, we, we don't have any issues, right? You don't you don't pray for help when everything's going well. Uh, but when things go poorly, we start asking questions. I th- I thought you loved me. I thought you were powerful. Why aren't you taking care of my problems? So I think during the good times, we just it's easy to forget that uh he's still there and interacting with us we we feel like we don't need him during those times
0: and it's easy to forget how grateful we should be for all that we have been given
1: yes i think so i even look at jesus when the lepers come to him and say please heal us and he heals them and all but one run off and one stays to say thank you and jesus says where are the others where did they go well, they're fine now. They're good. They don't need to interact with Jesus anymore. They can run off and have their lives and only one stop to say thank you.
0: One of the interesting and thought-provoking things you do in your book is list a series of common Jesus prototypes. Can you take us through each one of those and what they say about our view of Jesus?
1: Yes. So a lot of my book, it's a comedy. uh, And what we do is we walk through various Jesuses and talk about just our misconceptions. So, for me personally, a big one has been Hollywood Jesus, the Jesus we see on TV. You know, the the white Jesus with the blonde hair and the beautiful blue eyes, who is just kind of nicer than me, and he's really mild and easygoing. So that's a Jesus for me. Growing up in Christian culture, that's how I've pictured him mo- most of my life. And then we have men's retreat Jesus. So a Jesus that's been boiled down to say that what Jesus, who Jesus is, is the paragon of manliness. That he's he's John Wayne. You know, he's the guy that shows you this is what it means to be a man. We've we've said that's all Jesus is sometimes. Uh, or I talk in the book about. Uh, Magic 8-Ball Jesus, which, if you know a Magic 8-Ball, it's a children's toy that you shake. You ask it a question like, uh, does does this girl like me? And you shake it, and it has a series of answers it will give, I- I'm not sure, ask again later, yes, no, maybe. And sometimes we pray to God that way. We We just see God as a source of answers to our questions, and he has a limited number of answers, maybe three, yes, no, maybe, instead of him being an actual complex being who could say something like, go to the street called Straight, there's a man there who's blind, and pray for him, and he'll see. But that's not going to be a magic eight-ball answer.
0: And there's Bridegroom Jesus?
1: (laughs) Yeah. One of my readers, actually, wrote me after reading the book and said, why don't you have a a women's retreat Jesus in the book? (laughs) I said, well, I've never been to a woman's retreat. What would you say is the imaginary Jesus there? And she said, oh, as a single woman, everyone always says, if you have Jesus, that's enough. You'll be happy. It's the bridegroom Jesus. Just be happy that you have Jesus in your life. And she said, she said I, I am happy that I have Jesus in my life, but I want to be married, too. And it was God who said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I'll make a helper. So I would like to have that experience. And I thought that was a really, really good point from her. Yes, that's yeah. an imaginary Jesus, too.
0: Yeah, really insightful. There's the perpetually angry Jesus. I think this is probably <laughs> more familiar than we would care to admit.
1: Oh, yes, sadly, yes. I yeah. think, there. you know, it's those, those moments, I remember in high school, I got a flat tire on my car, <laughs> and my first thought was, this is because I haven't been doing my devotionals and praying, God is punishing me. Yeah. And, you know, that. I think that's a common thought. If something bad happens to me, it's because God is angry at me. He's always angry. Uh, he's always looking to punish me. And that's yeah, that's unfortunate because the Bible says that God is slow to anger. And sometimes I have to ask myself, does that match my picture, slow to anger? Is that how I see God? It's a common one.
0: It's a great point. And then there's over-explanatory Jesus. I know this one too.
1: <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> I think, you know, for those of us who've grown up, especially in evangelical Christianity, a lot of our belief system is built on this idea that uh, there are answers to our questions. And there are, the Bible is so full of answers to our questions. But I think also there's this idea that there is mystery in Scripture, and there are places where we disagree in the Church because God hasn't spelled it all out, and we we really want Jesus to walk forward and explain everything, every question we ever have, in minute detail. And I think that's that doesn't match Jesus either. All the time the disciples are coming to Him and saying, you know, why, why do you tell stories and parables? And He'll say, so that people will hear but not understand. That goes against everything that I've been taught. Jesus is purposely trying to make people not understand.
0: And it's a helpful reminder that he's God and we're not. Right. The final Jesus I wanted you to explain to us is coffee shop Jesus.
1: (laughs) There's probably two different ways you could look at this. The, The common thing I see, I work a lot with college students, and I'll ask them, if Jesus was here physically today, what do you think Jesus would want to do with you for the day? many people, a large percentage of people, will say, I think Jesus would want to get one-on-one with me, go to a coffee shop, and we would sit down, and I would tell him about my life, and he would listen and just tell me that he loves me, and just get into my life. And That's a really beautiful picture, and I do think Jesus loves us and cares about us and what's going on in our lives. But when you look at Scripture... He rarely has one-on-one appointments with anyone in his ministry, and when he does, with maybe one exception, it's so that he can share the gospel with them. And so what's more likely that he would do if he had a day with us, I'm not sure, but it seems like it would be focused on helping the poor and the lost hear the good news about Jesus. So that's that's a really interesting and common misconception I think we have of who he is. Where I live in Portland, Oregon, in the United States, coffee shop culture is enormous. Everyone dresses the same. Everyone, you know, everyone has the same hip coffee that only they like, supposedly. And I think sometimes we have this picture of Jesus that, yeah, our cultural issues and things we're concerned about are the things he's concerned about, too. And the fact that in the last 2,000 years, the Church never thought of some of these things, it doesn't matter to us. We think we finally figured it out and that Jesus would, of course, be part of our coffee culture. But I'm I'm not sure
0: that's true. Oh, I think it's a great point. So if Jesus is not Hollywood, Magic 8-Ball, Men's Retreat, Bridegroom, Perpetually Angry, Overexplained, or Coffee Shop, how would you define him for us then, Matt?
1: Well, here comes the great problem. And I think at the end of the book, everyone wants Overexplanatory Jesus to come out and yes. say, here are the 10 points you must know about Jesus. Good point. And... The the fact is, Scripture is very clear on a number of things, right? G- Jesus is God. He's the Savior sent to save us. He's the only way to achieve salvation. You know, there's so many things that are really clear. But then outside of that, we know that Jesus is all knowing, all powerful. He's eternal. And then we think we're going to know everything about him in a few years or by reading a few books. Like, I've been married for 14 years and I don't know everything about my wife. And she's not eternal. <laughs> I mean, I love her. She's wonderful, but she's not eternal. So it seems like an act of enormous pride to be able to say, I know everything about Jesus. And I think, when I look at my life, I've had moments that I've thought that. But I think those were the moments when I was the furthest from him, to be honest, because he's so much bigger and more complicated and more interesting than what I think.
0: Are there ways in which we might change the way we think or the way we live day to day that might help us be more real about the person of
1: Jesus? Yes, for sure. I I think one of the things we do is we look at Scripture. God has said, basically, this is my autobiography, this is who I am. So we expect him to tell us about himself. So that's a good place to look and say, does this match my picture of who he is? And when it doesn't, to say, let's bring my expectations in line with what Jesus says about himself. That's one place. I think the other place is uh, in the community of believers— especially uh, church. You know, we can learn a lot from other people's conceptions of Jesus, and where we see their error, and then places that challenge us to say, well, that's different than what I think. Who's who's correct here? What can we learn from each other? Obviously, books uh, and other information from cultures and times other than our own often will show our own misconceptions from our own cultural point of view, And then the other place that's really interesting is people who disagree with us about Jesus often have really interesting insights into him, and they'll ask questions that it never occurs to us to ask that can be really uh, enlightening about who he is if we're willing to listen to them.
0: Well, I think this has been a really helpful conversation and it's a helpful book to kind of reground us, as I said before. Very much appreciate you joining us on Open House. Matt Michelartos, thank you so much. Thank you, Leo. It was a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.